0: Well, good morning again, uh Street Church. Welcome those of you who are um, joining us a little bit later today. And as you know, I said before, I, I hope you all had a wonderful um, Christmas this this past Monday. But as we as we come today and celebrate the, the final uh, well my final message of the advent series and also on this final day of the year, um, I want I want us to I want to encourage us, you know, at this point in time to look forward. I think at the end of every year, I I like to take just a little bit of time uh, to reflect on some of the highs of this year, but also on some of the low points um, of the year. But after looking back, um, I would begin to plan on how I can move forward, how I can continue to grow more Christ-like in the next year or in the coming year. And reflecting on this past year, um, if I'm humble before you all, one way that I definitely could have grown more um, is in love, to love others. You know, looking back at all the highs and, and lows of, of the season, one thing I definitely could have done more is love others more. And I think when we look at the highs and lows, not just of our lives, but the highs and lows of our world uh, this past year in 2023, I think most of us can also agree that the world can use a lot more love, whether that is love shown to us or love that we demonstrate to other people as well. We can always love a little more than last time. But I think the question is always, well, how, right? Well, great, Pastor Brandon, like love, but how do we do it? How exactly do we love more? I think on the one hand, we can just kind of embrace the Nike slogan, right? Just do it. Just love more. That's surely one way to go about it. But I think what is missing is the right ingredient, the right motivation, the right influence. Without the correct motivation, without the correct influence, I think loving others can feel pretty shallow or empty, right? Why are we loving them? Why am I sacrificing myself for their sake? And whenever I I, I feel stuck in this rut of kind of wondering why and how, um, I always love to read uh, the stories of great Christian men or great Christian women who have transformed communities and transformed lives through the love of Christ. And um, about, you know, I think like about two months ago, I was reading the story of um, this guy here. If you can just go to the next slide. This is, have, have you guys ever heard of Father Damien of Molokai? He's a, he, was a, he was a priest who, who lived in Belgium, um, but his entire life could be summed up with one Bible verse from Matthew 25. And that's the Bible verse where Jesus tells his followers, right, in regards to the sick, the needy, the imprisoned. Jesus tells his followers, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers here and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And that was Jesus speaking. And so when Damien, when he heard of a colony of lepers, quarantined, literally separated, they're quarantined in in this specific island in Hawaii, he was moved. His heart was moved to love. And so he began to volunteer without hesitation to leave Belgium and to go into this, literally, a colony of lepers. And the thing is, having experienced the love that comes from God, the forgiveness of sins, and the promise of everlasting life, Damien wanted to share this type of love with those who he felt needed it the most, those who were dying of leprosy in Hawaii. And so who else will share that love of Christ when these individuals are literally quarantined and separated from the rest of society? Who will go to them? Probably no one. And so Damien had this intense desire, this intense desire to love these individuals. And so on May 10th, 1873, uh, Damien began his ministry in a leper settlement of about 600 people. And so Damien, he would, he would care for these patients personally. right? He didn't minister from a distance. He would dress their wounds. He built reservoirs with them. Um, unfortunately, many people died. And so he helped to make coffins. He dug graves. He ate food with these people, literally side by side. And another beautiful thing is he began to establish leaders within that community to help build houses, schools, roads, and hospitals, and also churches in that settlement as well. And the thing I love the most is that he will always make sure to tell this to the lepers. He would always tell them this, that despite the fact that they are not loved by the world, despite the fact that they are sent away from society, almost in this prison, they are still loved my God, they are still seen as precious by God. And in one letter that, that um, Father Damien that he sent back to his brother, he says this to his brother. He said, "I made myself a leper with the lepers in order to gain them for Christ." And if we pause for a moment, I, I just want us to, to appreciate how, how like mind-bogglingly, like how, how loving this man is right to go off to a colony of lepers that is separated from the rest of society to realize that this disease that they have is incurable and if he catches this disease the only thing that will happen is that he will die but the thing is through the love of christ that he has experienced and through the love that god has for these lost souls he sets sail knowing that the only outcome for him is death death Through leprosy. And so Father Damien, he he served them faithfully for 11 years. And Father Damien, he eventually caught leprosy, but he continued to serve. He didn't leave these people to find better treatment in another country. He continued to serve with them as a leper for another five years until he went off to be with the Lord. And the point I, I want to make here is that I think none of this, none of this sacrifice would be possible unless Damien experienced God's love. In fact, I I would go as far as to say that without experiencing this tremendous love from God, it is impossible for us to truly love others. And so last week, we we took a look at three types of joy found in Mary. And as we look at this passage today, I, I want to take a look at three forms of love. Three forms of how God demonstrates his love to us. And as we go through the sermon, I I hope that as you're filled with God's love, it will begin to move you, begin to make you think of new possibilities as you start this new year. And so let's take a look at our passage today from John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 14. And it reads, very famous, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. As we take a look at our passage, um, we, see, we see actually something very unique about the person of Jesus. Jesus is described as a person who is with God in the beginning, and is in fact, God himself. And through Christ, we also learn that all things were made in this universe. I think this is something that we as Christians, we all know, but if we take a closer look, if we take a deeper look for a moment, we begin to ask the question of, well, why, right? Why would God create? You see, the Father and Son and Spirit, they're in perfect harmony, in a perfect relationship with each other. They don't need anything else. They don't need anyone else to fulfill them. So then, why would they create if they're already bound in perfect love? And I think to answer this question, all all we really have to do is kind of look at our parents, or if we are parents ourselves, to examine ourselves. When two married individuals come together in healthy love, they desire to create. As their love for one another overflows, it's only natural for that love to move towards creation. What I find I think, truly beautiful in this, in this process of creation is that even before the child is born, both the mother and the father love that creation. They're overjoyed at the first sonogram. They're overjoyed as they see the first heartbeats in that fetus. They're overwhelmed with joy at every kick in the womb. They laugh at all the bizarre cravings of this little child living in the womb. And when we begin to look at creation, at the creation of the universe from this perspective, the love that comes from God and Christ, I believe, is truly mind-blowing. That before a single atom existed, before the entire universe even came to be, God already knew each and every single one of you who are gathered here today. God knew your names before he created the universe. God knew all of your personality quirks. God knows all of your weird habits. And because he knew you, he created the universe for you so that you can enjoy it. If you actually read Genesis 2, that's the entire story, right? God creates the heavens and the earth, the trees, the Garden of Eden, in order for Adam and Eve to delight in his creation. He created all of this for us. And for me, at least, I I think this this type of love, this eternal love, is completely reassuring. I think we all go through periods of, of dry seasons. We all go through dark periods in our lives where we really begin to question and wonder, does God really love me? We go through periods where we feel that God is entirely far off and unapproachable. But the truth we are taught through Scripture is that God loves us so much he created the universe for us. God loves us so much that he created us in order to enter into a relationship with us. See, the thing is, God's love for us is absolutely eternal. God's love for us is absolutely unchanging. And I think one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 139, when I read it for the first time, I was, I was truly blown away. Psalm 139 tells us about this. Your eyes saw my unformed body. We didn't even exist yet. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your books before one of them came to be. How amazing are your thoughts about me, God. How vast is the sum of them. What a beautiful type of love to know that we are loved even before we even came to be. But since we're still in the Advent season, technically, I think the love of God also demonstrates its way in two other ways, and it demonstrates first through Christ's birth. Uh, The first fact is, and if we actually, if you have your Bibles, if if you take to, if you look at verse 14, actually, if we just go to the next slide, I think I posted it there. There we go. It reads this about God. It says, or about Christ. And Christ's birth. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And I think this verse for us isn't, it's not just a theological statement, but I believe that this verse is actually the ultimate demonstration of Jesus' love for us and God's love as well because it is only through the incarnation that we see the depth of God's willingness to enter into this broken world. Imagine for a moment, imagine that, you know, this this might be a little sacrilegious, but imagine that you were God for a moment. This infinite God, perfectly holy, creator of stars and galaxies. You have literally the entire, you have the power to literally create universes. But now you choose to enter into this world, not as a mighty ruler, not as this all-powerful being, but you choose to enter into this world as a vulnerable baby. You enter into this world with fear for your life because you know that you're about to be chased by Herod's soldiers. Even though you have the power of the entire universe in your hands, you choose to humble yourself. Who would do that? Imagine our Lord, who sits on the throne as a ruler over heaven and earth. He's now lying in a filthy and dirty manger that animals eat out of. And for us, I believe that this is the mystery of the incarnation. God, in his absolute perfect holiness, steps down into our messy and broken world, steps down into our world that is filled with pain, filled with sorrow, And filled with sin. If we take a moment to to think back to the Old Testament, we actually begin to really appreciate how unbelievable this is, right? Because if you read the Old Testament, God's holiness basically required a total separation from anything, anything that is unclean. In fact, sometimes if something is unclean enough, the penalty for that uncleanness is death. That is how much God hates sin. That is how much God hates anything that is unholy. Yet in Jesus, we see this holy God now come into our unclean world. We see that this perfectly holy God begins to touch lepers, dine with sinners, and become friends with the outcasts of the world. See, this isn't just a reversal of who God is, but it's actually a manifestation of God's perfect divine love. A love that goes beyond boundaries. A love that goes beyond purity. It is a love that desires to enter into the very heart of our brokenness. And the only reason God would allow something that unbelievable, right? That God would allow pollution into him. The only reason God would allow this to happen to himself is if he loves us more than we can ever imagine. Like Father Damien that I mentioned before, who was healthy, but out of his love, he decided to go to a leper colony and allow himself to be infected and allow himself to die from the same disease that killed everyone that he served. Christ... Who is perfectly holy, came to us with an even greater love. His love for us is so great that he is willing to pollute himself with sin and to put himself to death for our sake. And I think most of us here, we, we understand this theological truth, right? <laughs> we basically heard it from the time we were, when we were children till now. But why hasn't this truth touched our hearts? Why can't we feel? or or see a glimpse of what this sort of sacrificial love looks like? Why does it only exist abstractly in our minds as a concept? And I think in order for us to gain a a true glimpse of what this sacrificial love looks like or, or even feels like, the only way for us to experience it is through our own sacrifice. I think if we live in complete comfort, if we live without any sort of sacrifice, if we live with no suffering, then how can we glimpse or understand the sacrificial love of Christ? How can we learn, not through knowledge, but through experience, the deep spiritual truth of how Jesus loves us more than he loved himself? Unless we tangibly experience what it is like to love others more than we love ourselves. I think one of the spiritual truths that God has taught me in 2023, or actually in these past three years, one of the deepest spiritual truths that God taught me is this. It is impossible to think your way into loving your neighbor. It is impossible to think your way into loving your neighbor. You can't sacrificially love your neighbor By reading the Bible more or listening to more sermons, you can't learn your way into love. To love is to act. To love sacrificially requires us to act. And it is only through action that we can finally understand Christ's sacrifice, not just with our heads, but with our hearts. But as we're about to begin 2024 in about 12 hours, I, I want us, I want to encourage us to think how? How can we begin to love sacrificially in this new year? How can we learn to l- sacrificially love and act out that love to those around us? How can we sacrificially love the lost souls gathered around us in Sunset Park? And as we love sacrificially, that's when we finally are able to gain a glimpse of the love that Christ has for us. It is the truth that if we love others little, we will understand God's love very little. But if we love each other with every opportunity, then we begin to become overwhelmed by God's love for us. So let us make a commitment this year, this coming year, to love. And if we have to, if we have any res- any goal whatsoever in 2024. Let it be a resolution to love, to love sacrificially. The thing is, as we are coming to the end of the year, um, we're also coming to the end of our sermon as well. And as we do come to the end, I I want to tell us one final way that God demonstrates his love to us through this incarnation. We actually find this final form of love in verses 12 to 13. And it reads this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I want us for a moment to think what it means to be a child of God, because being a child of God, it's actually more than just a title. It's actually an identity. You see, in the ancient world, to be a child of someone means that you carry their name. I mean, like, even today, it's, it's pretty much the same. You become an heir to their legacy. You become a part of that family story. And if you were to be the child of the emperor or the child of a king, you were an heir to the throne, and you inherited the, the king's wealth, you inherited the king's power, the king's influence. But if we were the child of God, the child of our creator... How much more does that mean when we are the child, the heir to the creator of the entire universe? You see, to be called a child of God is to be given a place in a story that began before the world even started. And out of God's love, this status of being his child and being his heir is something that is given to us in perpetuity, forever. And the wonderful thing is this status is given to us, this identity is given to us, not because of anything that we deserve, but it is given to us through love. It is given to us through Christ's death and through Christ's sacrifice. See, Christ came not just to save us from our sins, but Christ came into this world to adopt us, to bring us back to our Father. And if we pause for a moment and consider what this means, I think it's quite transformative. Because this isn't just something that we will experience after we die, but it's actually something that we can experience right now. When we are born again as the children of God, this rebirth does not start after we die. This rebirth starts now, because we are currently a new creation. It is a rebirth into a life that is no longer defined by our past failures, it's no longer defined by our past shame and our past sins, but it is now a life that is entirely defined by God's love. It's a life that is ruled with God's forgiveness. It's a life that is ruled by God's unchanging love. And so, brothers and sisters, as we literally stand on the threshold of a new year, I want us to embrace this new identity with our full hearts, to be a child of God, to live in this reality of his love every day. I want us to see ourselves and those around us through the lens of God's tremendous love. I want us to be set free, set free from our past mistakes, set free from our past failures, set free from our inadequacies, to realize that we are no longer defined by our past, no longer defined by what the world thinks of us, but we are now defined by God, who sees us as his very own children. So as we come to the end of our sermon here, I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, um, to let us take hope in God's love, to let us be transformed by God's love, a love that loved us before we were born, a sacrificial love that is willing to give everything up for our sake, and a love that reveals that God's deepest desire is to spend eternity with you. I want to encourage us to let this love shape how we live out this new year. And I pray that we will let this love shape not just how we look at ourselves, but shape how we begin to love others with a godly type of love. And so let us live this new year, brothers and sisters, as the children of God, not just in name, but in deed and in truth. And so as we're about to enter into a time of prayer, I want us to pray uh, all of this. Let us pray that just as God's love shaped Father Damien, Damien's life to be self-sacrificial and to bring hundreds of souls to come into saving grace of Christ, let us also pray that God's love will transform us in the same way. I think often in life, our dreams and our goals are actually too small, right, to eat better, right, our New Year's resolutions, right, eat better, sleep more, be in a better financial place. I think these goals are too small. If God's love can transform the entire world, if God's love can put an end to sin and we are part of that love, let us dream bigger. Let us dream about transforming the lives of the families gathered here. Let us dream a bigger dream about transforming our neighborhood, our community. Let us dream for goals that are beyond our wildest imaginations. And so brothers and sisters, why don't you join me for a time of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you that you have loved us with an eternal love. We thank you that there is nothing in the heavens above or the earth below that can separate us from your love. Lord, you have shown this through your very own son, who being God did not consider that to be used to his advantage, but rather, Lord, you made your son nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant to die, to die for us on the cross so that we can be adopted into sonship. And so we pray, Father, that as as we live in your love and as we live as your children, that you will begin to transform us in ways that we can't imagine. Mm -hmm. We pray that we'll begin to live in great and mighty ways as we live out that love that you have placed within our hearts. Mm -hmm. We pray that you will move our hearts to totally change every person, every family we meet. And so, Father, as we're about to reach the new year, we pray that we will recommit our lives to you in 2024. We pray that this will be a year of such tremendous transformation that when we look at ourselves in December 31st, 2024, we will no longer recognize who we are because we are completely and totally transformed in you. The old has gone, Father. The new has come. Let us embrace this here today. Let us embrace your love that you gave us through your Son. We pray all of this in your most precious Son's name. Amen.